Welcome back to the Not Quite Compassion Podcast, and this is episode eight, entitled, Look, the Moon. So a few years ago, uh, I got two boys. They're nine and seven now, but uh, a few years ago, they were both much younger, and we were sleeping a lot less. <laughs> and so, <laughs> man, it was brutal. And I remember um, on the weekends, because Laura and I, my wife and I, we both work, and so we would kind of like each take a day to like, that's my sleeping day, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, because they're just trying to survive. And so it was my sleep or it was her sleeping day. And, uh, and so I decided I would get up and it was like five, maybe in the morning and on a Saturday and, <laughs> and uh, I didn't want the kids to keep to wake her up. Right. Because it's her sleeping day. So I decided, hey, let's uh, get on our um our shoes and our coats and let's walk to the Starbucks because there's a Starbucks about, I don't know, six blocks away or something like that. So, uh, so I get, you know, get on our things. I'm just, you know, I haven't any coffee. I'm just, I'm, I'm really tired and, uh, we get out of the house. It's still, uh, relatively dark out. The boys are like, uh, you know, they're all excited to go to Starbucks and get a donut and some hot chocolate. And I'm just dragging, but they're so excited for this adventure we're going to have, you know, and, and they're like bouncing around and kind of, so I keep having to shush them. And they're like, why? And I'm like, cause it's five 30 in the morning and most of the world is sleeping. But <laughs> so I'm just cranky. Right. And we're walking along the sidewalk and they're, they're, they're doing their best to be quiet. And then all of a sudden I just want to get to Starbucks. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, link, my oldest just stops dead in the sidewalk and I actually bump into him because he just stops so suddenly he just points his finger straight up into the sky and he goes look the moon (laughs) and Sawyer looks up to the younger one and they're just both fascinated and I'm just like so over it right (laughs) you gotta be kidding me I don't care about the stinking moon I I care about some caffeine in in the bloodstream that's what I care about I care about you sleep it a little bit more, but I don't care about no stupid moon. And, and they were just so fascinated by this moon that kept showing because it's you know it's it's it's, it's dawn I guess and so it's kind of bright but it's getting lighter but it's still the moon you know how it is anyways. And they just noticed this moon and I could care less. So speaking of speg- segues, I, I do think there's something to that that the older we get, the less we notice. Big surprise, Jesus would make this statement that like, um, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. There's something about noticing that I think kids are experts at. And the older we get, the more difficult it it becomes. Because if you think about it, we spend most of our week um, not noticing things. Most of our week, we are unaware of what's happening around us. Uh, whether it's like we're in our commute, right? And this is like, it's just kind of uh, giveaway time. It's not anything substantial, right? Uh, or if we're in line, or we're in between two things, or we're waiting for the weekend. Most of our week is waiting for something else or thinking about something else previously that happened or it's something in between of something else, right? Most of our week is almost set up so that we're not noticing, so we're not aware. And then we come home from work each night, 
and uh, and we buffer and we distract ourselves. I don't know whatever your vice is. Everyone's got something, whether it's our video games or um, our phone. Just that um, that swiping and scrolling is it, such a numbing and buffering and distracting um, process in our lives. At least it is for me. Uh, if it's alcohol or drugs or Netflix binging or porn or food, all of these things have the ability to keep us from feeling from not noticing, from not being aware. And this this idea of um, kind of leaks almost into our faith a bit too. And, and we've heard it's like, you know, like God wants to be Lord of your life. You shouldn't just reserve him for Sundays. And we get that, right? Sure. Yeah. He, like, <laughs> don't be a one day a week Christian. But it, I think that's so surface level because it leaks into our lives in other ways too, you know, that even in our prayers, our prayers betray us, you know, it's like, God, would you be with them? Does that mean that he's not with other people? And if he's not with other people, does that mean that's less special? That that event is less like gaudy thing or spirit led or, you know, or um, we say things like God was really in it. Does that mean God was not in something else? Like, was he not in your commute, but he was really in that conversation over coffee? You know, we, we like reserve God in these uh, subtle ways. We betray ourselves by revealing that we think God is more in something else than he is in other things. And we, we lower our expectations and we move throughout our week mostly unaware and unnoticing because we don't even expect God to show up in the mundane and the monotonous in the ordinary, in the inconvenient. Um, and, and we reserve him for just like the God things in our lives. And those things seem to get fewer and fewer as our faith slowly kind of dries up a bit. But th- here's the thing, though, is Jesus seemed to be a master of turning the mundane into the miraculous. Like if you study all the different miracles Jesus did, which by the way, it's cool that he never did a miracle the same way twice. Like we just maybe a whole nother podcast. Holy crap. Was he creative? Um, but even in, in the times that he would give, he would do miracles, like a vast majority of them were never pre-planned events. You know, they weren't like strategic decisions that we're going to go here and and we're going to set up a tent. (laughs) You know, it wasn't like, it was just, you know how most of his miracles came about? Most of his miracles came from distractions, inconveniences, and annoyances. He was most God in the ordinary of life, not in in the seemingly special of life. Uh, look how um, was, was, uh, the author of The Mending the Divides, which I've been reading this last couple last month by John Huckins and Jer, Jer Swigert. It's a book on um, peacekeeping, peacemaking. And this is how he puts it. He goes, Jesus described the kingdom of God as a mustard seed, tiny, less than glamorous, and extremely tangible. So we shouldn't be surprised when God's best work unfolds and the mundane realities of everyday life. See, if we're going to notice the moon, 
then we'll need to notice the ordinary, the margins in our lives. The um, I think this is most. Um, hey, kitty. <laughs> I said one of my cats like jump right here. Hey, buddy. Um, <laughs> yeah, you enjoying this podcast? Uh, I see this play out the most in uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, which such a cool term for the story because no one listening to that story would ever call a Samaritan good. <laughs> like that was the last thing. And Jesus was always, that's a freebie, is uh, Jesus was always making the people we perceive as villains, the heroes in his stories, which tells us a lot about who God is. But this good Samaritan sees this person on the road that's been beat up and left for dead. And there's three people before this Samaritan that walk by and do not notice the person. And one person uh, seemed to have like some good intentions, but didn't actually see the person, didn't like you know, he didn't stop and point and say, look, the moon. He, he just kept walking. But the good Samaritan, he notices, comes over and does something about it. He helps the man. And, and Jesus says, that's the person, right, that's being the good neighbor. But it's about missing the marginalized in our lives because we don't have any margin in our lives. Does that make sense? Like if we buffer and squeeze out all these in-between moments, and we discount God from sh- from being in those moments, and we reserve God for only the special moments. Perhaps in not allowing God to be in the margins of our lives, that's what's keeping us from noticing the marginalized people in our lives. I, I, that goes for like noticing a homeless person on the corner. Um. But it, it, I've even seen it in my life um, at home. Like there's this uh, in-between time at home when our kids get home from camp. Right now they're in camps and uh, they have we reserve like a certain amount of show time for them or screen time. And so uh, they only get like uh, enough for like three 23 minute shows a day. I don't know. if I don't. That's not a don't think that as like a um, like, this is the one way to do it. We don't know what we're doing. This is just how we landed on this for now, okay? Uh, so take that with a grain of salt. Anywho, uh, there's these 23 minutes where the kids are watching um, a, a show, a cartoon. And it used to be time where, like, I would get on my iPad or I would um, make dinner. And the last, like, probably six months, it's just been, like, this really um, beautiful time where Laura and I will grab a glass of wine and we'll go in the front room and we have this cute little bench by our front window and we both sit on it and uh and we just connect for 23 minutes <laughs> and it's like i'm not kidding maybe this is says something about how sad my life is but that that <laughs> that is like one of the highlights of my every single one of my days and it's just this little in between time that i never suspected could be so um such a God thing <laughs> to use that vernacular, but it really has become that. And then it started making me wonder like, oh, I wonder what other mundane in-between moments am I completely missing that God wants to really do something significant in? 
I think of um, the story of Moses when he goes, he, you know, he hears like a calling from God. He goes down to this cave, the story goes, and, and there's um, this burning bush, right? And uh, Moses takes off his sandals because uh, he noticed that he was on holy ground. And I've heard it said that perhaps Moses did not take off his sandals because the ground became holy, but he took off his sandals because he realized the ground was always holy. Look, the moon. Like there is a giant moon hanging in our sky. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? Take off our sandals and notice the ground has always been holy. To take back these in-between, ordinary, mundane, seemingly um, insignificant moments and, and discover that they've always been sacred. It, it reminds me of how um, God announces himself to us. And he, um, he calls himself in the Bible um, that he's named Emmanuel which means God with us. It's not a God that was with us or a God that will be with us, but it's a God that's with us in this this exact moment, right now. Not when you get your life together, not on Sunday, not when you arrive at that special event, not while you pray, not even while you think about God. Like, Oh my gosh, right now. And and perhaps God with us makes every single moment divine, or at least maybe it could. Uh, Second idea is if we're going to notice the moon, then I have found that we need to be in our bodies. Like we got to choose to feel, you know? That's why I walk past the person sitting on the corner that's experiencing homelessness. It's not because I'm like some cold-hearted guy or, you know, or I'm way too busy. Half the time, that's not the case. I'm not busy. I choose not to notice, though, because I don't want to, I, I don't want to choose to feel. I know that's what that's going to cost me. And so I'd much rather just throw a buck in his, in his, in his uh, hat because then I can just make this quick transaction and I never actually have to feel. But wow, what would it look like if we chose to be in our bodies? Would that allow this life to open up to us a bit more? Perhaps it would run the risk of causing us to feel. You've seen this in the media lately too, how there's just been this really weird attempt to make Jesus seem less human. You know, that Jesus wasn't really a refugee or he didn't actually really do anything illegal, you know, like cross into another neighboring place or I don't know, most of his miracles were on the Sabbath. It seemed like he did that just to, just to piss off the religious, frankly. But <laughs> like, he seemed to purposely try to break rules to mess with people. Um, or, um, yeah, and... and and I, I I wonder if that is a um is is what's behind that is that is like this idea that like is did did God really become human like is is it a really the incarnation was there really a, an embodiment of the spirit of God in this world and and the less we can make Jesus human the less we have to be human 
If we strip Jesus of his humanity, it allows us to strip it from others. If we, if we reserve Jesus being this very special human, then we don't actually have to do special things, right? But like as Jesus put it, like you will do even greater things than me. But if he's ordinary, if he's just plain old Jesus, which by the way, pretty cool that his name is Jesus because that was a really common name back then. He could have named himself like Grand Puma, but he, <laughs> that would be kind of awesome. But, but he just named himself Jesus. And there would have been several Jesuses in the town where he grew up. So when, pe- when he dies, I'm not kidding you. People would have been like, did you hear about how Jesus died? And they're like, which one? Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, gosh, really? Well, that sucks. I mean, you just, you, you can't get around just how ordinary he was. And yet, how divine his life became. Perhaps that's an invitation for our ordinary lives to become truly significant if we just look and notice. Um, Rob Bell, in, his, um, in one of his books on sex, actually, um, there you go, got your, snapped your attention back. <laughs> he... Um, uh, he has this really, it just stuck with me all these years, but he talks about how like, Hey, we are, um, we're people, we're humans. And yet the tendency is for us to, uh, act like we're angels or animals, but we were created to be humans. And the difference is, is like angels are like, they don't have any sense of desires, right? Like they don't, they're not like guided by, um, their desires. Angels are. Um, but in, in the other end of the extreme is um, animals are completely driven by their desires. Like if you put a bowl of food in front of my dog, she'll just eat it all up. And if you put another bowl, she'll, she'll just keep eating until she pukes and then she'll eat some more. That's what animals oftentimes do is they're, they're controlled by their desires. And then angels don't have any desires. And then right in the middle, God created people, human beings that have desires but aren't controlled by them. We're not animals, but we're not angels either. We're people, we're human beings. And isn't it interesting how much difficulty Christians have with just being human, merely human. We try to act like angels, and then while no one's looking, we act like animals. It's because we haven't realized that God's just made us to be human. I'm telling you a long time ago, not too long, like a couple years ago, I just stopped trying to be Christian because I suck at it. And I realized that God just wants me to be a human (laughs) because to be human is to be connected to God because I'm created in his image. And to be human is to be in my body because he gave it to me and to notice and to feel and to to be connected and and, um, in my body. That's what it means to be fully human. No wonder Jesus says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. He's not trying to make you less human. He's trying to make you the fullest idea of humanity that could possibly be imagined. And that was what he demonstrated as he was incarnate in this world for 33 years. Was to show us this is what it looks like to be a human. So... If we're going to embody this faith, then um, 
in order to notice the moon. If we're going to embody our faith, we need to be in our bodies. And, and I, I want to conclude our time with one of the ways that's really helped me to be here, to be present, uh, to be in my body, to notice and not buffer and allow myself to be present to such a degree that, that the margins of my life start to be illuminated again, that I allow this life to come alive, that I, I stop and look and notice the moon. So I want to take us take you through a, a guided meditation. And if you haven't done this before, don't like it's not some weird thing. It's it's actually deeply rooted in the Christian tradition. And it's just it's helped me to be here, to be present. And so um if you don't mind, uh go and find a, a decent some place you can be comfortable. It could be in your car. Um and if you're in commute right now, just don't ignore the part where I say close your eyes. But <laughs> but if you're not, go and find somewhere to sit. And uh, or lay down, either one's fine, and just get comfortable. And go ahead and take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. If you'd like, go ahead and gently close your eyes. And I just want you to notice your breath. Don't try to change it or control it. Just just notice it. Now notice how you're feeling right now. You know the things that we oftentimes buffer or distract ourselves from. How are you feeling? Is it worry? Are you afraid? Maybe it's your content or sad or happy. Just notice how are you feeling in this present moment? You might have some distractions that occur or thoughts that you're lingering on, that's okay. That's all right. Resist the desire to label those or judge them. Just notice them and allow them to pass by. Take another deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Now I'd like you to notice any sounds that are around you. Maybe it's a bird outside. Take a moment to notice sounds that you had not noticed previously.
Now notice any aches in your body, perhaps in your head or your shoulders or your stomach, your legs, your feet. Just notice them. Understand that they're there. It's part of being human. Notice any tensions or areas of your body where you like to keep stress. That's okay. Just notice it. Now listen closely to this passage from the Bible. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say. Before I start the first sentence, I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead, and you are there too. Your reassuring presence, coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you are there. If I go underground, you are there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. I'll take one more deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Quietly open up your eyes. Do you notice? Look, it's the moon. Look, peace. Look, hope, look, life, breath, your heart beating. Look, the spirit of God, look, grace. I want to leave you with this passage. Acts 17, verse 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. May you and I this week notice the moon. May we embody our faith. May we be in the moment. May we have margin in our lives so that we may notice the marginalized in our life. 
may you experience this great.